morning. Oh, good. I love that. It's good to see you all uh, today. It is good to be back. Uh, last two Sundays, uh, I've been gone. Uh, I was in uh, Missouri and got to see my first grandchild, uh, which was really fun. And Jody and I are proud to report that we spoiled him as best we could. So uh, we just had a good time with him and good vacation together. Uh, welcome to all of you that are joining us online uh, as well. We're glad that you're with us. Uh, one of the things you're probably wondering about are what are these lines going up and down my screen? Well, just so everyone knows, uh, this week the governor came out with some tweaking to the guidelines for churches. Uh, and one of those kind of set it up so either I had to wear a mask to preach or we had to have some sort of plexiglass screen. And then when you wear a mask, it would make it really hard for people to hear. And we, I know we have people for whom it's a little harder to hear anyway. So we kind of chose the plexiglass glass screen. So I'm standing behind, um, behind that. Those of you in, out in, that are watching online I might not be able to see all, all of that. But uh, I'm glad that I don't have to talk with the, with the mask on. Uh, and then one other thing that, that's happened this week was uh, our much anticipated uh, new staff member, Kramer Lorig, uh, has arrived on site. Come on up here, Kramer. I'm, I'm not going to make him talk too much. In fact, I don't know if I even have a microphone up here. But I do want you all to meet him. Um, and most of you know uh, enough of the story about Kramer. I, I was actually, just as it turned out, you know how on Facebook you get those memories sort of things? In the last couple of weeks, a couple of times where you and my son and some of the other teens were leading worship was coming up, and I thought, how appropriate. I was tempted to put one of those up to embarrass you, but I decided not to, since we got to get along for quite a while. <laughs> so um, I won't make you talk, but this is Kramer. His lovely wife, Lindy, is over there, and Dax is over there as well. Um, yeah, take time to connect with them, uh, get to know them. We are looking forward to your ministry. Thank you so much. Yep. All right, well, um, we're in a series we're calling Parables, Stories That Change the World, kind of our, our summer series, and we've been working through uh, a lot of them. Um, and this morning, we have one that I, I, is, um, it's one of those parables that, that kind of means what you think it means, but not in the way you think it means it, you know? Uh, and so I, I kind of want to stop with, start with this, and maybe you can just call it out. When you were going to high school, or, or maybe even junior high, um, who was the cool person in your church? Now, think about that for a minute. I'll, I'll just tell you in my church, or in my school, um, that, uh, there were two of them that I thought of in particular. The, the girl was, um, was a gal by the name of Kathy Schaefer, uh, and she was like the coolest person, right? You know, everybody knew who she was, and she was the prom queen and all, all of that. And the guy was a, name by, a guy by the name of Roger Grebe. Uh, and he was like a star receiver on the football team. He, you know, did all kinds of crazy stuff. And he was king of the prom and, and all those sorts of things. And, and, and those, those were the, the, the two cool people, okay? Now, I did not move in their circles, right? I was not a cool person. We won't be going with so Who was a cool person in your high school? Someone come to mind? Yeah, yeah just call it out. Who is it? What was it? Randy something. Ivy, yeah, okay. okay. So maybe let me put it this way. How many of you are aware that there were people in high school that were cooler than you? Anyone want to? <laughs> yeah, all, all of us, I, I think, in, in some sorts of way, you know. I, maybe I should ask, how many of you ate at the cool table? Anybody eat at the cool table? I didn't eat at the cool table, the cool table either. And so there, there is something about that kind of high school thing, and, you know, you're kind of glad to get out of that and go to college because it's a lot different in college. You know, and uh, it was okay to not be cool in, in college. And, uh, and yet, uh, as I've, I've reflected on that, um, there is something about this because so many kids feel brutalized kind of by the whole cool and not cool. There, there's something about that, that that communicates that if you're not cool, you're unimportant 
and that really kind of registers during those years. And, and you feel unimportant if, if you kind of get shunned from all of that and, and it hurts, you know. Uh, and the truth of the matter is we, we would like to think that that, that ends with high school. But, but it really doesn't. We live in a world that constantly evaluates, evaluates people as more important or, or less important. We, we tend to value some people and we tend to devalue other people. Uh, e- even in ways that we don't really think of immediately. But if I were to say to you essential workers and non-essential workers. Immediately there's a certain sense in which essential workers are important and non-essential workers are, are not I- important. Uh, and, and the difficulty with that is when we look at people, I mean, we, we do it in other ways in society. Like if someone's a doctor, they're important, you know. Uh, some of those professions, uh, a president's important and, and I get that their job and all of that. But, but then there's also people that we feel like sometimes, well, I'm not all that important. All I do is, I was in the grocery business for a long time, you know. All I do is, you know, bag groceries and check people out and stock shelves. I didn't seem like I was terribly important in the grand scheme of, of things. And so there's a, a, a sense in which when we start to decide who's important and who's not important, it pretty quickly leads us to a place where we can kind of start to dismiss people. Um, kind of ignore people. Uh, and, and then we can kind of ignore their suffering because they're not that important to us. I take care of me and mine, but, but them, you know, I, I, I don't know. We begin to treat people like they don't matter, you know. Um, and and that, that sort of thing... Jesus speaks to that. And in the parable we're going to look at this morning, he speaks directly uh, to that. He talked about unimportant people and important people. Uh, and so our, our, um, there's the who was cool in high school one. Okay? And then uh, our, our text this morning is Matthew chapter 18, uh, verses 12 through 14. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn over to that uh, online uh, as well. And you can get it on our app or get, get it electronically. Um, and you need to know what's going on, because this is the story of the lost sheep. How many of you have ever heard the parable of the lost sheep? You know, if you've gone to church very long, you've heard the parable of the lost sheep. Uh, and it's a little different depending on which gospel you read it in uh, and how they set it up. And so what, what's happening in this, in the early part of this chapter, it begins with the disciples having an argument. Okay? And I bet you if I said, what do you think they were arguing about? Most of you would guess it. It was the thing they always argued about. Who is the greatest in the kingdom? Who's the most important, Jesus? Is John the most important, or is Peter the most important, or is Matthew the most important? Who's, who's the most I- important? And, and in some ways for us, you know, it kind of feels like that's kind of a weird argument for adults to be having. You know, you can see little kids, but not adults. But you have to remember that the, the culture of that time was very hierarchical. There's, there was very much the people on the top and the people on the bottom and the, the people in the middle. and Well, there weren't a lot of people in the middle, but top and bottom, uh, a lot. And so uh, it, it mattered for them. And, and the people at the top were the important people. And the people at the bottom were the leftovers. And, and they tended to think of those people as lazy and stupid and, and even sinful if they had some sort of malady in them. They thought that, that you know, physical disabilities came from, from sinfulness. And, and so Jesus kind of looks at the disciples and, and does something that would blow them out of the water. And he says, the most important people are children. What? You can just see the disciples doing that. Children? Because in their culture, children were like way unimportant. They, they didn't really matter until they got old enough that they could actually work in some sort of way. And, and, then, and they were kind of the bottom of this. In fact, he goes on to say, if you, if you read back up in there, this astounding answer. He says, in fact, you have to repent, is the, the word he uses in Greek. 
which is turn and change, and become like children. And for the disciples, this would have been just crazy because children are on the bottom. And today we value children a lot, but back then it was, it was so much different. And, and, and in fact, even honestly today, if I push you a little bit, we still have a way in which we don't value children. Because if someone calls you childish, would you take that as a compliment? No, you wouldn't, you know, or you're behaving like a child. It, it, it implies unimportant, it implies incompetent, or it implies, you know, unable to control yourself, all of those sorts of things. And so the truth of the matter is, even in today's society, we have a tendency to divide the world into big people and little people. In some ways, this is a parable that begins with the story of the little people, the children. And, and, and it also means the unimportant people, the, the essentials and the, the non-essentials. And the difficulty with all of that is once we decide who's unimportant, then we can begin to strip them of their dignity and their power. We can discriminate against them. In fact, if you look at crime statistics, most crimes happen against people who are powerless, either in general or in, in, in that, that moment. In fact, one of the most sickening things in our society is crimes against children. Why are there so many crimes against children? They have no power. They can't fight back. They're, they're, they're vulnerable. And, and that's the, kind of the issue here, this divide. And, and, and we divide. And let's be honest, even as adults, we divide and separate from the important and the unimportant. So I'm going to give you a phrase. Uh, tell me if you've heard this phrase before. Gated community. You know what a gated community is? We're in and you're out. And we don't want you even hanging around our neighborhood, you know? Gated community, it's just, we're not nearly as hierarchical, hierarchical as they were in Jesus' day, but we are. There's a division in that. And honestly, Jesus will have none of it. He won't tolerate it. Little people matter to God. Little people matter to God. Let's say it together. Little people matter to God. And I don't mean just physically little, but people who don't have power, people who are vulnerable, all of those sorts of things matter to God. Um, the unimportant matter to God. And so like Jesus did so often, he started out by telling them it's the little children that, that are first in the kingdom, not, not any of you dudes, okay? And in fact, you need to repent, you need to change and become like children. And then to illustrate that, he told us the story that we have uh, this morning. And so I want to kind of read this and we'll talk about it as we, as we walk through it. So this directly follows those encounters. Um, and so uh, it begins, um, uh, let's see, did I miss one here? Where we go? Uh, so much he's willing to die for them. If risking, okay, I'm going to back up. I don't have my verses in here. Um, so... Uh, the, 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 it begins with, what do you think, Jesus says, if you, following along, verse 12. Uh, a man has a hundred sheep, and one of them goes astray. Now, any of you ever raised sheep before? Oh, yeah. Cool. Uh, I have never run, raised sheep, but, but I, I do know that this would be a familiar picture in Jesus' time. In fact, they sometimes wonder if when Jesus was teaching, he didn't like see out and around him what was going on, right? Uh, and so they, they wonder if when he was doing this teaching, maybe he was sitting there talking with him, and there was a shepherd up on the, on the field somewhere, and he, he looked up there and he said, hey, what, what if a man has a hundred sheep, which was a pretty good-sized flock in those days, and one of them, them goes uh, astray? And so all of them are familiar with this idea. All of them have probably heard stories about sheep that go astray and what happens. And so he goes on, uh, does he not leave the 99 on the mountain and go in search of the one that went astray? 
Now think about that for a moment. I mean, for me, again, I'm not a shepherd. I don't know anything about this kind of thing. So I, I'm like, okay, sure, he goes and looks for them. But if you think about this a little more from a business perspective, and keep in mind, sheep were not pets. They were business things. This means that you have to risk 99% in order to attempt to save 1%. That doesn't usually make a lot of sense biblically or, or uh, commercially. You don't usually do that. You don't put the whole company at risk in order to save 1% of the company. And, and besides that, you know, it's the sheep's fault, right? I mean, could it have not just looked up once in a while and saw that the sheep were moving on to another field? It was lazy sheep. And, 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 and because of that now, it's a big deal for the shepherd because very often they wouldn't notice until evening where they would do a count again, you know, and there's all that's going around. So maybe now it's starting to get a little dark. And so all of a sudden now the shepherd's got to go looking for them. And it was dangerous to run around in the evening out in fields. That's when a lot of the predators would, would come out and hunt. That's when a lot of the robbers would, would come out. So there's personal danger to the shepherd here. Uh, and besides that, if the sheep had been gone for a long time, it very well may already be dead. It, it's dangerous out there uh, alone. There's all kinds of things that would just love to have lamb for dinner in that place. And, 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 and in addition to that, people tend to steal sheep in those days. Maybe it was stolen. You don't have a chance. And if you caught up with them, they'd get you. Or maybe while you're leaving the 99, someone would come along and, and steal some of those. And so in, in one sense, the truth of the matter is this. One sheep amongst a hundred sheep is not all that important. It's the unimportant kind of one. The, the sheep reproduced quickly. The herd would grow back. It would, it would be fine. Why do you take all these dangers? And so the, the, the kind of macro answer to this question is, this is not a good decision. It, it's just not. You, you, the, the sheep isn't worth that much. It, it's not all that important. It doesn't really matter. But you know who it mattered to? Who it really, really mattered to? The lost sheep. It mattered a lot to that one. That's who it mattered to. And, and although the, 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 the other th the, the, all the other sheep were out there, the, the little guy is the one who has the big need. He, he, he's the one that, that desperately needs the shepherd to do something for him personally. He probably didn't want to become dinner for a lion or fall off a cliff. The little one needed the shepherd way more than the 99. I want to say this again because it's really important to understanding this parable. The little one needed the shepherd way more than the 99 needed the shepherd. And, and honestly, sometimes it bothers me when Christ followers are unempathetic to the little guy, to the vulnerable, to the weak. In fact, sometimes we can even imply that it's kind of their fault that they're vulnerable or they're weak, or, you know, which is what they did in, in Jesus' time as well. To look down on people who are different or who don't fit or who struggle in, in all of that. And th this, this passage has been convicting to me this week because I, it's not talking about just sheep, folks. It's talking about the, the world around us. And, and so I, I think this is, is true. Jesus cares for lost people so much, he's willing to risk the well-being of the herd. Jesus cares for lost people so much. He's willing to risk the well-being of her. Let, let, let that sink in for a minute. Because you know who I tend to identify with in this, this parable? The herd. I'm a part of the herd. You're a part of the herd. 
I mean, you're showing up during COVID-19 to come to church. You're a part of the herd. You're insiders, okay? And, 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 and to think about that, to think about that, that Jesus is saying, this little one has greater need than, than you do in all of this. So, so let me pose it in a little different thing. What if, what if God wants to sacrifice our comfort for the little one's safety? What if one of the things this thing teaches is, hey, you who are a part of the herd, I'm going to sacrifice your comfort. I'm going to sacrifice your safety. You're going to pay a price so that I can go and get the little one that is lost. That's, that's a little uncomfortable. And, and honestly, there's a part of who wants to go, that is so unfair. Okay, now don't raise your hands or look at anybody. But how many of you have heard at some place, somebody say in the church, that's unfair. <laughs> yeah, you laughed. You gave it away, you know. We've, we've all heard that. We, we've all heard that piece of it. And so this is, this is a, a parable that's speaking to us. And sometimes we think, of, oh, it's all about the lost sheep. And, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. And it is about the lost sheep. But there's a real message for the herd. And the message for the herd is that Jesus cares about the well-being of the little one, of the lost one. And, he, and he's willing to make it uncomfortable for us. In fact, what if the needs of the unimportant one outweigh the needs of the flock? Kind of a Spock thing there from the movie, you know, the needs of the one and the needs of the many. What if the needs of the unimportant one outweigh the needs of the flock? That's, that's what Jesus is saying. Do the, do the sheep need the shepherd? Absolutely they need the shepherd. But the little one that was lost needs the shepherd more. He's a shepherd a lot more. So, so let me drill down more and make us all more uncomfortable. And my, my dad said, I'm going to give up preaching and go to meddling for just a minute here. What if rescuing the lost sheep around you matters more to God than your comfort? Nobody ever says amen on these. It's just always quiet when I say this kind of stuff out there, you know? Well, what if... What if the lost sheep around you and rescuing them matters more to God than your comfort? What if the things that are happening to us that, that seem unfair, God is allowing those to happen so that people can see that God loves them? What, what if he wants to use us and make us uncomfortable and, and move us out of the things that are easy for us in order to rescue the lost sheep? Can I get personal again? Sometimes I worry that in the church of Jesus Christ, and I have been in the church of Jesus Christ all of my life, we have come dangerously close to making idols out of things like personal preference and comfort. I, I can't tell you how often in the church I find myself saying this before. I like, or this is what I like, or I think, you know, we're trying to make a decision. And if, as soon as I, those words come out of my mouth, it's like, ooh, that's personal preference. That's personal preference in this. William Temple said this. The church is the only organization in the world that does not exist for the benefit of its members. I've thought about putting that on my wall a couple of times because I need it to remind me. The church is the only organization in the world that does not exist for the benefit of its members. Now, don't misunderstand me. I think the internal life of the church is vitally important, amen? A connectedness to one another. And during this time when we've not been able to do it like we would really like, you really see how important it is. But if that is all it is, and if we're not willing to sacrifice some of that to reach the lost, 
We've missed what Jesus was talking about. We become like those disciples saying, who's the most important in the kingdom? Well, it's clearly the herd. It's us. And Jesus says, no, you've missed it. And so there's a super important spiritual principle at work here. Um, in God's economy, the greater the need, the greater the attention from the shepherd. The greater the need, the greater the attention from shepherd. Okay? And, and this I have seen played out in my own life. In those times when I need God most, he is there most. I don't always feel him in that moment, but when I look back, I look at how close God was to me. In the year that I went through cancer, God moved close to me in ways that he's not normally. And I remember coming out of that going, Lord, I want to live in this spot for the rest of my life and for the rest of the ministry. You just seem so close and there's stuff happening and it, it's just so cool. And I could be a way better pastor if you would just be close to me like this. I didn't hear anything from him. And today I'm still very close. I've always been close to God, but it's not like I was when I was in that great need. And I think that's because I didn't need that. And, and I think that applies outside as well, that, that the spirit of the living God is, is certainly working in the church. But you really want to get out on the cutting edge? Get out and go after lost sheep. That's where the shepherd is. He cares about them. Jesus always stands for the vulnerable and the powerless and the poor and the unimportant. And get this, the sinners. Jesus stands with the sinners, the lost sheep. In fact, interestingly enough, one of the gripes about Jesus, you can learn a lot about how people gripe about you. One of the gripes about Jesus was he was not paying enough attention to important people, like Sadducees and Pharisees and religious leaders and even his disciples sometime. And he's spending way too much time with unimportant people, like tax collectors. Who hangs out with them? The, roughly the equivalent of drug dealers today. And, and women, he would talk to women and pay attention to women. Women didn't matter very much in that society. Sorry, ladies, you were definitely one of the unimportant people. And, and, and sinners, he was with them, and he touched lepers, and he did all kinds of things he shouldn't do. But in God's economy, the greater the need, the greater the attention from the shepherd. In fact, Jesus so valued unimportant people he would die for them. Wow. When I got onto that one in this passage, I was like, oh, that changes everything. He, he would die for them. Now you talk about get uncomfortable to reach the lost sheep, the little ones. That's uncomfortable. That's really uncomfortable. But the good news is this. At one point in your life, you were one of the lost sheep. Okay, that was truth. You may not like it, but that was truth. At one point in your life, you were one of the lost sheep. Amen. Okay, good. Um, and and, and that's, that's good news, that, that Christ paid attention to you, that Christ rescued you, that Christ brought you, you back. In fact, Romans 5.8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's, that's good news. Not only are we the herd, but at one point we were the, the lost sheep. We should, we should be celebrating what God does in all of that. In fact, the next verse goes on and talks about this. Verse 14. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Okay? He wasn't willing for any of them to perish. Not one single one. Uh, and then, uh, you, uh, who are the little ones in, in your world? 
In fact, there's, there's verse 13, which kind of got missed in here, uh, talks about, uh, and if he finds that one, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it, and more than over the 99 than, uh, than the one that never went astray. It's a holy party. There's celebration for them. Um, and, and, and yet, it is this idea that we are focused on that. So, so again, let me ask you, let me bring you back to this one. Who are the little ones in your world? Your children, for sure. I hope you have children in your world. We are loving having a grandchild, having a little one. And we're looking forward to Christmases with, with, with grandchildren, you know. You kind of hit that your kids are little and Christmas is a lot of fun, you know. And y'all looking at you do not like, do you not like Christmas with children, folks out there? Hello. <laughs> and then, then you kind of get grandchildren and, and the Christmas is fun again. But you go through that stage where like we were all adults and it's like, okay, that, that's nice, you know. But Christmas is made for children matter to God. But, but also, unimportant people matter to God. In fact, the early years of, of the Christian church, until probably Constantine made it a legal religion, the church was mostly made up of unimportant people. The people that, that didn't matter a lot to the world around them. To peasants, it was a, a, a peasant re, religion. Who, who, are the, who are the children around you? Maybe one of the great ministries we kind of see rising up in the church right now is, is a ministry to, to sex trafficking, to try and get them out of that. And that includes way more children than you understand. It's just, it's sickening. They have no power. And so the world preys on them. Or, or maybe there, there's, there are women around you that are abused in, in some sort of way. It, again, it, it makes me sick that, that because a lot of times women don't have power, they, they get abused in that. The church should stand up against that. They're the lost sheep. They're the ones that Jesus loved. Or maybe it's foreigners that are coming into our land that are trying to get assimilated. And they have all kinds of things that happen to them. And they're discriminated against in all kinds of ways that honestly, as a white person, we just don't see. Um, my, my last church, I told you, was really multicultural. Um, there were five languages in addition to English in my church. And my church board was over half people of color and uh, and. Uh, no, it's two-thirds people of color, and half of them didn't speak English as their first language. So, wildly diverse thing. My, my secretary was from Mexico, uh, and, and Thelma was an extraordinary person. She also led a lot of our worship. It was a ton of fun. But English was her second language, and she spoke it very, very, very well. But she had a, a pretty good accent. You could tell she, was, she had an, an accent from Mexico or South America or someplace down there. And one of the things that really surprised me in working with her was I was often assigned her to call things, like uh, we did a giant children's fair with blow-ups and all of that. And so she would be constantly calling around and saying, hey, you know, this is this church and we need these resources and do you have them and da-da-da-da-da. And, and one of the things that, that just stunned me was the first couple times I had her do that, um, she'd say, Pastor, they're all out of that. We can't get that. You know, the, the, the company that normally rents us the big things, you know, they, 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 they're not available on that date and they can't do it. And it just seems like, well, what happened with this? Because the, the secretary before that was a, a white person that, you know, spoke like a white person. Um, and, and, and after a whole bunch of those, I kind of got suspicious. And so I started calling them back, not identifying myself and saying, hey, we would like to rent some of those big inflatables on this date. And to my surprise, they said, sure, we've got them, they're available, what would you like? I never had the heart to tell Thelma why she was having so much trouble. But I guarantee you it was her accent. Unimportant people and important people. 
There are people that, that are kept from the American dream because of the color of their skin. There's just something about us that, that does that, and I hope it's not you guys that do that. But we live in a world where that's there, where there are people who are lost sheep. So let me ask you this then. Um, next, next slide. Go ahead and sign down. Who are you in this parable? And, and to all of you out there as well, um, maybe you're the lost sheep. Maybe you've been listening to these messages and, 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 and you, you've come to realize that you don't have the relationship with God that God would want you to have with him. And you're out there hoping the shepherd will show up, that, hoping that God has something for you and that God can change your life and, and he can change your heart. And I have good news for you. The shepherd never misses one if you're willing. And he will come to you. And if you're one of the lost sheep, that, that, that even this morning, you can ask him, call out to him. A, a lost sheep would be bleeding and, and, and looking for the shepherd, calling for the shepherd. And, and today, all you have to do is ask him to, to come in, and he will come into your life. And you can join the holy party and, and the herd. Or, or, or maybe uh, you're, you're uh, a part of the lost sheep, and you're just in, and you're just learning. I know uh, we've got a number of people who have recently come to Christ, and, and you're kind of learning about it. Welcome, welcome back. Let us throw the party for you. And in fact, one of, a part of the, the party for you is baptism. Uh, and if you found Christ and you're, you haven't been baptized, I want to encourage you to contact us, and we'll arrange for you to be baptized. And that is holy party, Amen. And I always tell the congregation they have to scream and holler and yell. Maybe, maybe you're a, one of the lost sheep, a, a, not yet a believer or, or a new believer. Or, or maybe we're a, a member in good standing of the herd. I am a member in good standing of the herd. I, I, I've kind of gotten over the rescue thing. It was a long time. And, and, and the, the herd, we tend to be concerned about the well-being of the herd, not the individual. Uh, we're long-time churchgoers. We, we struggle with change. We struggle with change. Yeah, amen. I struggle with change, you know. I, 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 I just, I've reached that age. It's okay. The fact that I struggle with it is, is okay, okay. Um, we, 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 you know, uh, worry about things that, that, about the health of the church and all those things. We tend to have a, here's the two words, internal focus, okay. We want to take care of the sheep and the flock. And that's not bad. That's good. In fact, that's one of my charges as the earthly shepherd of this place. But let me propose one more thing to you. Uh, what, what if, um, who are you? Ah, I missed one. The next one is, what if uh, we are supposed to be the shepherd? In fact, nowhere in this, this parable does Jesus say he's the shepherd. We've just been drawn astray because there's a lot of paintings that draw Jesus with a ship picture of the sheep around his, his neck. You know, he's coming back. How many of you have seen that picture of Jesus? You know, it looks so tender and nice, and he's bringing back the lost sheep. But I don't think Jesus was the shepherd in this. Because the shepherd, if Jesus is the shepherd, then there's no worry for the flock. Because Jesus, as God, can both protect the flock and seek the lost at the same time. Amen? There's no cost to that. But if, if, the, if the shepherd is us then there's a cost to going and seeking the lost. What if the, G, G, the point Jesus was trying to make to this, when they asked who's the greatest, he was trying to say to them what he said to them in other places. Your job is to serve the herd, not rule the herd. Your job is to seek the lost. God doesn't have to do the things that, that we do. It, it, we, <laughs> we are the ones he calls to be the shepherd in the midst of all of this. 
And so one of my hopes and prayers out of this is that, that we will certainly embrace all the stuff that is traditionally in this package. And I'm going to finish up in just a minute if our musicians will come. Um, the, the, the goodness of the herd and the health of the herd, or the flock, I think it is actually, with sheep. And, and, and the realization of celebrating lost people when they come back. But I hope we can also become people who are shepherds who are looking for the lost. Who are caring for the unimportant, for the, for the little ones. In fact, if we're not like that, there's really a question as to whether we're honestly the church. So let me ask you again. Who in your circle of influence is a little one? Someone that needs Jesus. Maybe, maybe it's in your extended family or your immediate family. Or maybe it's at your place of work. Or maybe it's your neighbors. Or, or maybe it's whoever it is. Can we become shepherds? So I just want you to say, say, I am a shepherd. I am a shepherd. Yeah, you're a shepherd. I'm a shepherd. In one sense, we should be all of those. We're the lost and we're found. We grow up and we mature. And then God sends us to the lost sheep around us. And we live in a place where there are a lot of lost sheep. Amen? Let's reach them for Jesus. Let me pray uh, for us. And then, and then we're going um, to worship the Lord uh, in giving in just a minute. Father God, Lord, this is such a a powerful parable, uh, made more powerful by realizing that, that uh, the shepherd in this story isn't really you, although you certainly do that, but that you call us to be shepherds. You call us to, to leave the comfort of the herd, to leave the safety of the herd, to reach out to people who are far from you and to love them into the kingdom, to, to take the risk, Father, in order to uh, see eternal destinies changed. to the lost sheep, Father. Help us to look at the herd and realize who's missing and seek them for you, Father, that you might be glorified and that your kingdom might be expanded. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue to worship the Lord uh, in giving. Uh, you can give several ways. You can give online through our app, if you have that. Uh, you can give uh, on our webpage, generationscommunity.org. Uh, or or uh, you can uh, mail in a check uh, as well to P.O. Box 1654 uh, right here. And for those of you who are here in the back by our ushers, we have two boxes. And you can just put a check uh, right in there. Obviously, because of COVID, we're not passing uh, plates around. Uh, but I, I just also want to stop just briefly here um, and say... Thank you so much for your faithfulness online. Uh, for those of you who are here, uh, when we first went into it, we were terrified as to what was going to happen to the church uh, financially. Uh, and you guys have given faithfully and generously, and we're so thankful uh, for your faithfulness uh, through all of that. And so, in fact, give yourself a hand. Yeah, pat yourself on the back. No, I don't know. Uh, we're thankful uh, for that and appreciate that. In fact, we were going to probably kick out some videos to you eventually here to kind of show you some of the things that are going on uh, because of your faithfulness. So let's continue to worship the Lord uh, in giving and in song.